At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer, friendly low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Got a great podcast for you guys. Joining me in the second segment, we've got Steve Gardner aboard. He does a great job over there at USA Today. We're going to be taking a look at what might wind up happening at the trade deadline. Guys that you might want to be gauging, and on top of that, guys that are currently on the trading block that they've got demonstrative home and road splits. So these are guys that... When they wind up getting traded, they might wind up seeing a little bit of a fall-off or vice versa. You've got some guys that have performed very poorly when they have been at home and then on the road. They've been able to fire in all cylinders, so I think that this is important to take a look at. And certainly from a futures perspective, it is interesting to take a view of this because if you're right now looking at some of these teams that make slash miss the playoffs, whether or not they're going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline, that is going to be big for them. So we're going to be chatting with Steve all about that in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at June at underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. I mean, it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, terrible fire, whatever you like to hear on this podcast, find that five-star review. Got in one question today with gauging bullpen use, so let's dive in. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Wound up getting a question as to when taking a look at bullpens, if it's more important to look at 
the guys and their actual ERAs, fielding independence, how they've actually performed, etc., that are remaining out there in the bullpen, or the number of arms itself that is out there in the bullpen, and the answer is, well, to use a little bit of a cop-out here, yes, because if you wind up having a guy that is consistently going six-plus innings like Sandy Alcantara, Max Freed, list goes on and on, you're going to need a little bit less bullpen attention than, say, someone who's been utilized like Chris Archer, who hasn't went north of five innings all season long. You're going to need more arms for him. Meanwhile, if you take a look at a guy that is going six to seven plus innings, well, you're not going to need as many bullpen pieces, but not all bullpen arms are created equal. If you've got three bullpen pieces for the Milwaukee Brewers available, and those three pieces are like John Del Gustave, along with we're going to throw out there Trevor Gott, and how about if we wind up going with Brent Suter, for example? That's much different than having Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader available. So I do think that both are very important to take a look at and take a look at in terms of bullpen use as well, how many pitches were thrown the previous day as well. If you wind up having a lot of guys wind up getting thrown, but I mean, one guy wound up throwing like five pitches. After throwing five pitches, if he didn't wind up throwing the day before, conceivable that he could wind up coming back. Meanwhile, if he threw like 25 plus pitches, he's as good as stunned. But if he wound up throwing only four pitches, but that was like day number three in a row for him, then that winds up hurting him a little bit as well. So there's a lot of different elements to it. Hopefully I wound up giving you a relatively solid answer. Like I said, apologies if I wind up doing a little bit of a cop out there, but it is a case in which it winds up varying a little bit. And Based on the starting pitcher, that is going to play a little bit of a role as to how you should gauge these bullpens as well. So, always do appreciate the questions. Now, let's take a look back at everything that we wound up seeing in the MLB on Sunday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Houston Astros stay hot. They wind up sweeping the Seattle Mariners by a count of 8-5 to five as for the Astros, pair of home runs in this one. Jeremy Pena and Jose Altuve go deep off of Robbie Ray in the first inning. Pena, 14th home run season. Jose Altuve is 19th for Robbie Ray. It had been going really well from him. He had given up seven runs in his last seven starts. Gives up six in this one, including a pair of bombs. From there, the bullpen wasn't too bad. Tommy Malone does wind up giving up two runs in two and a third innings as Ray could only complete three. But Penn Murphy, along with Andres Munoz, combined for three scoreless innings. Matt Fessa, pair of scoreless innings out of the bullpen. And you did have Abraham Toro, the former Astro, go deep for the Seattle Mariners. Eighth home run season. He winds up being able to launch that off of Seth Martinez. Martinez winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning with that bomb. But Rafael Montero gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Ryan Presley, he gets a scoreless inning for the save. And from Valdez, three runs surrendered in six and two-thirds innings. So the Mariners were able to get to him, but Robbie Ray unable to hold up in this one. The Tampa Bay Rays, they wind up losing to the Kansas City Royals 4-2 as they drop this series as for the Rays. Not a lot of offense. Andy Diaz gets his fourth home run season off of Chris with the K. Bubich. And for Jeffrey Springs, not a long start as he wound up giving up eight hits and four and a third innings, but only two runs, one of which was earned, surrendered. From there, you did have Brooks Raley and Charter Armstrong both give up a run in an inning out of the bullpen. And you did have Ryan Thompson give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless for the Kansas City Royals. Chris with the K. Bubich. A very good start. He gives up that home run, but just two runs in total over the course of seven innings. Dylan Coleman and Taylor Clark 
They both give you a scroll of setting to be able to hold down the forward end. They pull this one out while going 3-14 with men in scoring position. For Paul Blackburn, he's a guy that many people are going to be looking at as regards to a possible trade candidate. He winds up getting lit up as the Oakland A's lose to the Texas Rangers by a count of 11-8. to And for Blackburn, he wound up really walking the plank in this one. And he's got a buck 88 ERA in the road. His ERA at home, well north of 7. Gives up 10 runs in four and a third innings, including a pair of homers going deep for Texas. Adolis Garcia, 17th homer in season, and Corey Seager, 23rd, and Martin Perez, someone who might be on the move as well. Much better start out of him. One run surrendered in seven innings. He did have Garrett Richards give up four runs in a third of an inning, and Brett Martin, he gives up three solo home runs in his inning of work for Richards. He did wind up allowing a home run himself as going deep off of Richards. He did wind up having Stephen Piscotty get his third home run season, then Sean Murphy gets his 11th home run season. Chad Pender's 8th home run in the campaign. And Tony Kemp winds up being able to get his third as for Texas. He also did have Jose LeClerc give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. But for the Oakland A's, bullpen wasn't necessarily too bad after Blackburn departs from this one. Did have David McKay give up one run in two and two-thirds innings. And Austin Pruitt, two scoreless settings. But too little too late for the Oakland A's offense as eight runs would be good enough to get the job done. Most games for them, not in this one. The Washington Nationals, they were good enough to get the job done in this one. They take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by kind of 4-3 to three as for Washington. Eric Fetty Wap was not long for this game, giving up three runs in four and two-thirds innings, but bullpen at his back as Kyle Finnegan and Carl Edwards Jr. combined for three scoreless innings. Steve Cishek, Jordan Weems give you a quarter of outs of the bullpen and for Washington. They go just two of nine with Ben in scoring position, but they did enough to be able to get to the bullpen as Corbin Martin, not a long start, but not a bad one. Did wind up giving up five walks in four innings, but just one run. From there, Kyle Nelson and Mark Melanson give you a scroll setting, but Caleb Smith gives up an under run in his inning of work. Joe Manat, Tipley, Ian Kennedy. They both surrender a run to Washington. They're able to salvage part of that series in Arizona. The Dodgers just continue to win by multiple runs. They have now won 64 games. The Dodgers have 57 by at least two runs, 7-4. They get the job done against San Francisco thanks to a three-spot in the seventh inning. And for the L.A. Dodgers, they did wind up having no home runs in this one, but a 5-11 of 11 performance with Ben in scoring position. And for Clayton Kershaw, he winds up getting lit up in this one. Four runs surrendered in four and a third innings, including a home run surrendered to Darren Ruff, 11th home run season. From there, the bullpen did their part. Phil Beckford, Evan Phillips, Alex Vizia, Craig Kimbrell, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Yancey Almonte, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and for San Francisco, not a bad start here from Alex Cobb, but he winds up being left in just a little bit too long, giving up those four runs in five and two-thirds settings. Dominic Leon from there gives up a run while getting two outs out of the bullpen. Tyler Rogers gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning before Camilo Duvall gives a scoreless setting, so another rough one out there for San Francisco. The Milwaukee Brewers have been one of the worst teams on the run line all season long, but they were able to get the job done outright if you want to dig in the run line of the Milwaukee Brewers as well. That was a little bit tough as they do end up being able to get it done by count of 10-9 as Josh Hader. Not looking like himself. He does get the save, but it gives up a run in an inning. And really, both of these teams had some bad pitching. John Del Gustave for the Brewers gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. You wind up having... Brad Boxberger gave up two runs in one inning. You wind up having Brent Suter give you a scoreless inning. And O.B. Milner, third of an inning, scoreless. But for Eric Lowry, he does wind up giving up four runs in his four and a third innings, including a home run going deep. Chris Bryant, fifth home run season. And Chad Cool. well, he's not Mr. Cool in this one. He got seven outs, 
gave up five runs, all of which were earned, including home run, and then Austin Gomber, three and two-thirds innings, being used as a long guy. He winds up giving up a home run himself as Tyrone Taylor gets a home run off of Gomber, 10th home run season, and Hunter Renfro, 16th home run in the campaign, comes off of Chad Cool. From there, Alex Calme gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Lucas Gilbreth, a inning of work, giving up a run before Jake Bird has to get the final out out of the bullpen. So another rough one out there for the Colorado Rockies. Was a rough one for the St. Louis Cardinals as they drop two of three to the Cincinnati Reds. Reds get a 6-3 to three win as for the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis, probably his worst start of the season. Six runs surrendered in five innings, including a home run to Mr. Joey Votto, his eighth home run season. From there, the bullpen did their part. Becky Naughton was able to get one and a third inning scoreless. James Nylay was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Zach Thompson, a scoreless inning. But for St. Louis, needed a little bit of offense outside of Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt does his part. 23rd and 24th home run season. And five home runs now in his last five games. He goes deep twice off Tyler Molly, giving up three runs over the course of six innings. We're going to be chatting about him a little bit more in the second segment with our friend Steve Gardner as regards to guys that might get traded along with his teammate Luis Castillo. But right here, St. Martin, Alexis Diaz, Hunter Strickland from there, all are able to give you scoreless innings. The Miami Marlins did not get the world's greatest start out of Sandy Alcantara, but they still pull it out 6-5 against the Pittsburgh Pirates as for Alcantara. He had went at least seven innings in 12 straight starts. He winds up going just six in this one, giving up two runs along the way. Got 10 strikeouts. Didn't wind up giving up a home run in this contest. Is going deep for Pittsburgh. O'Neill Cruz, his fifth home run season. From there for the Miami Marlins, you did wind up having a squirrel setting out of Steven Okert along with Uskar Brazobin. Brazobin wound up making his MLB debut at the age of 32, so congratulations to him on a squirrel setting. Did have Anthony Bass give up two runs, one of which was earned in the ninth inning, that fourth or tenth inning, as you wound up having a unearned run given up by Jeff Brigham in the tenth inning, and for Pittsburgh, a relatively okay start out of Mitch Keller. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. He allowed a home run of his own as Brian De La Cruz winds up being able to get a home run number seven on the campaign for Pittsburgh. They've got a 585 ERA over their last 40 days out of the bullpen. That is the league worst out there in the big leagues. Wasn't overly bad in this one, but David Bernard gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th inning to take the loss. Dwayne Underwood Jr. gives up a run in an inning. And Manny Benuelos, along the Yardi de los Santos, both give you a scoreless inning. The New York Yankees, they wind up being able to win their series with the Baltimore Orioles thanks to a 6-0 victory on Sunday. Nestor Cortez, very solid go of it here. Six scoreless innings, punched out seven. And then Clark Schmidt, a three-inning save as he went three innings scoreless to help out a Yankees bullpen that has been ailing a little bit. And Aaron Judge, 37th home run of the season. He's on pace for 60 right now. That comes off of Dean Kremer, who winds up giving up four runs in five and a third innings. Keegan Aiken from there, one and two-thirds innings, gives up a run along the way. And he did wind up having two innings of the bullpen from Rico Garcia, winds up giving up one run in this one. He did wind up having the Blue Jays take it to the Red Sox by a kind of 8-4. to four. My DK Nation pick was on the under in this one, and the Boston Red Sox really did a good job of being able to blow this one as they had three errors in this one for Brian Bellow. He said, Bellow to a loss, giving up five runs in four innings, all of which were in the first inning. Edekazu Satomora gives up three runs in an inning. A little bit of bad luck as he was a victim of three balls that didn't wind up leaving the infield, creating zero outs. Garrett Woodlock, Austin Davis, K. 
Caleb Ord, and Jake Diekman from there. I'll give you a score of setting. And for the Boston Red Sox, you did have Jackie Bradley Jr. go deep in this game. Third home run of the campaign that comes off Trevor Richards, who came in for some relief. One and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs along the way, including that homer and Ross Stripling. Pulled very early in this game. I'm not sure if he was dealing with an injury or what, but two runs surrendered in just four innings. David Phelps, Tim Meza, they both give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Yimi Garcia and... Adam Simber both give you a scoreless setting with Simber being able to get three strikeouts in his inning, so very solid go of it there. The Detroit Tigers offense not having such a solid go of it as they currently are dead last in the league in terms of runs per game, and that showed on Sunday. The Minnesota Twins get the job done by a kind of 9-1. to one. Sonny Gray shuts down the Detroit Tigers, giving up two hits and one run over the course of six innings. Griffin Jacks, Gerald Cotton, Josh Smith all give you a scoreless setting in. For the Minnesota Twins, no home runs, but they go 4 of 13 with Ben in scoring position as Ronnie Garcia not able to go long in this game. Three runs surrendered in two and two-thirds innings. He did wind up having two and a third inning scoreless out of Anel De Asus. From there, Jose Cicerno was able to give you a scoreless setting. Gregory Soto gives you an out of the bullpen as well, but Michael Fulmer, Alex Lang. Two guys have been very trustworthy for the Detroit Tigers. They give up a combined five runs in one and two-thirds innings before position player Mr. Cody Clemens comes in. He gives up a run in an inning. I believe that he is up for relation to Roger Clemens, and I'm not even kidding on that. So a little bit of irony there. You did wind up seeing the Cleveland Guardians fall to the Chicago White Sox by kind of 6-3. A rare case in which Dylan Cease did not wind up hitting a strikeout prop, but he's able to get the job done in terms of being able to get the win and the run line win. Six scoreless innings out of him was in a little bit of danger, giving up seven hits, but Guardians were unable to do too much with men in scoring position going one of seven with that regard. And Shane Bieber... Well, if you were a believer in him giving up runs, you were correct. Six runs surrendered over the course of six innings, including three long balls. Going deep for the White Sox, A.J. Pollock, fifth home run season. Eloy Jimenez, his fourth and second in two games, and you did wind up getting the third home run season out of Lurie Garcia. Jimmy Lambert winds up giving you a scoreless inning for the White Sox. Kendall Grayman does wind up giving up two runs in an inning, and Liam Hendricks gives up a solo home run in his inning of work. Going deep for Cleveland, you had Fry Marais get his ninth home run in the campaign, and Stephen Kwan just his second home run of the season, as you did wind up also having a solid performance from the Chicago Cubs. They sweep the Philadelphia Phillies 4-3. to three. They wind up being able to pull this one out in nine innings for the Cubs. You wind up having Drew Smiley. Smile about this one. Two runs, one of which was earned. Give it up in six innings. Scott Efres, David Robertson. He was both able to give you a scoreless inning. And you did wind up having a solo home run allowed by Chris Martin in his inning of work. Going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies. Garrett Stubbs, fourth home run season. But for Philadelphia, Bailey Falter, he lived up to his aim. He faltered, giving up four runs. Over the course of five innings, going deep for Chicago. Jan Gomes twice, his fourth and fifth home runs of the season. Then you wound up having home run number five of the season for Nelson Velasquez. I will say for the Cubs, they've got a top 10 bullpen in terms of ERA over the last 40 days. And the Chicago Cubs, they rank in the top three in terms of bullpen ERA in the National League over the last 40 days. As Nick Nelson provided two scoreless settings. Corey Knable, a scoreless setting. And Jersey Familia, a scoreless setting for the Philadelphia Phillies. But damage was done by Mr. Falter and... Lots of damage was done by the LA Angels on Sunday. Pretty fatable team as they have won less than a third of their last 55 games. They do wind up pulling it out against the Atlanta Braves by kind of 9-1 to one as Taylor Ward goes deep for home run number 13 of the season. That comes off of Ian Anderson who had a rough time with it. Seven runs including that homer. Give it up in three innings. You did wind up having Jackson Stevens come in and he gave up an unearned run over the course of three and a third innings. 
Colin McHugh gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Kenley Jansen has been a run line blower all season long. He gives up a run in an inning, and Will Smith got jiggy with it. Scoreless setting out of him before the Atlanta Braves. One of ten with men in scoring position as Reed Detmers. Very good start. Five scoreless settings, six punch outs along the way. Andrew Wants probably wants his performance back, giving up one run in one and two-thirds innings, but Jose Cuchada and out of the bullpen. And then Rocio Iglesias and Jose Marte of the Marte Parte. Both wanting to give you a scoreless setting. And then in Sunday Night Baseball, it was the New York Mets who pulled it out against the Slam Diego Padres, 8-5 the final. If you, like me, wound up having the under in this game, no score through five innings. Going into the bottom of the sixth, it was 1-0, and then the Mets put up a five spot to really put this one in peril as Pete Alonso, 25th home run season. That comes off of Joe Musgrove as Musgrove, he gives up four runs all in that sixth inning in five and a third innings, including that home run. And then from there, Stephen Wilson gives up three runs, two of which were earned in an inning out of the bullpen. Tim Hill gave you a scoreless inning, but Nick Martinez gives up a run while getting just a pair of outs as well for Slam Diego. They did wind up leaving 11 men on base, but they were still able to generate some runs off the bullpen as Julie Rodriguez gave up three runs without getting a single out. David Peterson, great name, not such a great inning. He allowed a run in his inning. Carlos Carrasco, by the way, five scoreless innings, so he was solid. Drew Smith gives up a run in an inning. He's begun to regress. Seth Lugo and Edwin Diaz, though, both give you a scoreless inning to be able to get the job done. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now, we are noticing that the overs are starting to come into play a little bit more. Post-All-Star break, that certainly has been the case. If you take a look at the last 30 days, though, we have been seeing more unders and overs as if you take a look in the last 30 days. It has been a case in which we have seen right around 50.8% of games go under the total according to covers, 180 unders to 174 overs. And in the time span, favorites hitting at 59.1%, which is relatively where it is for the season. 217 and 150 straight up are favorites in the time span, but home favorites have been unable to cover the run line in this time span. 147 and 96 is a record of home favorites over the last 30 days, but on the run line, we have seen home favorites cover just 96 times. So that's 51 one-run wins in that span. And in the last seven days, I mentioned it, we have been seeing quite a few overs, 31 overs and 19 unders since the All-Star break. That is over a 60% clip overall for the season. Unders are hitting at 51.4%, 697 unders to 660 overs. And overall for the season, we have seen favorites hitting at about a 59.8% clip 851 and 572 straight up for them. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we wound up getting on Sunday. Now let's take a look at some of the guys that might get dealt, some of the names to keep an eye on, and some of the teams that might be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. We're going to be chatting about that with Steve Gardner of USA Today next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run. Every hit. Every inning. Every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest as Steve Gardner does a great job of being able to cover the game of baseball over there at USA Today. Does a great job as well if you're looking on the fantasy side of things with regards to the game of baseball as well. Does a great job being able to take a look at these individual players. Does a great job of being able to take a look at some of these teams that are getting hot and cold as well. And to be able to follow Steve on Twitter, you're able to follow him at his name. Steve, the letter A, and then Gardner all together. And Steve, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate it. I appreciate you. And Steve, you're a man that you're relatively close to the D.C. area. So got to ask you the question <laughs> that is right now buzzing right now all across circles in Major League Baseball. And if you don't have an answer on this, have no fear, because it feels like everyone is speculating on this one <laughs> as well. And you know what? Whoever has the right answer, I would like to shake their hand because I mean, it certainly is a hot button topic. But Juan Soto, as we know, there's a lot of teams that are rumored to be trying to trade for him. There's a lot of speculation as to whether or not Juan Soto is going to be a part of the Washington Nationals at the end of this year and moving forward as well. What's your overall read on this one? Because no doubt if Juan Soto winds up joining one of these contenders, that is going to be a big giant haul for them. And if the Washington Nationals do trade him, they're going to be able to get a King's ransom for him. But what's your overall read on this situation? Well, absolutely. I, th- I think, Greg, you know, Juan Soto being traded could have the same kind of impact as Justin Verlander getting traded to the Houston Astros a few years ago. And Houston went on to win the World Series that year. A huge impact bat, a huge impact player. But I'll tell you what, I think the odds are against, let's just say that, the odds are against Juan Soto getting traded at the trade deadline just because the Nationals, and rightfully so, want a king's ransom for him. That includes top prospects, major league ready players, even players that are already in the major leagues. And for all the contenders, I don't know that they can meet that kind of high price tag and still be able to compete for a World Series this season. While it would be great to have Juan Soto on any of those contending teams, 
I really think eventually the Nationals will not find a suitor and will look to probably trade him maybe in the offseason when they can get a better read on the entire trade market. I completely agree with you there. I think that would be tough for a team to be able to come up with something at the trade deadline and no question whatever team winds up being able to trade for them, they are probably going to be needing to ink up to a very, very large deal or else this would be a deal that would be made a little bit in vain as well. You wouldn't want to be trading for them and then having a walk at the end of it without signing up to that big giant contract as well. So there's a lot in place. So I am certainly in agreement there, but certainly we are going to be seeing some players moved at the trade deadline. I think the biggest thing that we're seeing right now is that there's a lot of contenders out there that they could wind up using some arms. Some of these teams, they could use some starting pitching. Some of these teams could use some bullpen pitching. And, well, gratefully, frankly, there's quite a few teams that they could use a little bit of both. Are there a few players in general that you're taking a look at that we could wind up seeing dealt? Because what I think is really interesting about this year's trade deadline is that a lot of these sort of hotter guys in terms of being able to create some buzz on the trade deadline and in markets in general are currently finding themselves on the injured list. Well, that's true. I think, you know, Brian Reynolds is one of those guys from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know a lot of teams have had interest in him, not only at the trade deadline, but even before the season, because Pittsburgh is is not going anywhere this year. And Reynolds is a, a fantastic, you know, talent. He can play defensively in center field. He's certainly an asset at the plate as well. Problem is, the oblique injury came at just about the worst possible time. A couple weeks after he had that big three home run game, you know, for the Pirates. I will say this, though, Greg, that being injured at the trade deadline and maybe not being able to come back before the deadline hits is not necessarily a deal breaker. I mean, we saw last year when Eddie Rosario got traded to the Atlanta Braves and was on the injured list, and it took him a month afterward to be able to get back into the lineup, but yet we saw exactly what he contributed to the Braves. He got hot down the stretch, and even more so in the playoffs. He was the NLCS MVP and led the Braves to the World Series, and they ultimately won. So, yeah, I think there are still impact players who can make a difference, um, and even if they are injured, that's not necessarily, um, you know, doesn't drop their trade value down to zero. And I think the big thing with this as well, as we do have Steve Gardner, does a great job at USA Today. He's joining me on the podcast is more of the pitcher injuries, I think, are bigger than that of position yeah. players. Because with pitcher injuries, it always feels like whether they're on the injured list for even just, say, two weeks or a few months, that first start coming back is always very rough for them, whether they're on the trade market or not. These guys, they always need like a starter two to come back from the injured list. And I think that that's a big key with it as well. So I think that it would be easier for someone like a Brian Reynolds to be able to contribute despite the fact that he's a little bit banged up rather than say maybe like a Frankie Montas or a Luis Castillo, because I feel like it's a little bit more of a roll of the dice with pitchers. Absolutely. And the fact that, you know, if you only get them for a handful of starts, say the trade is made and you've got two months, that's not a lot of time to make an impact. And if you're dealing with an injury as well, then that cuts it down to what, eight, maybe seven starts. And then you have to make the playoffs and they have to be good enough to be in your rotation. If we're talking about starters, um, obviously relievers, that's a different story. But yeah, the ability to make an impact for starting pitchers is considerably less than if you were trading for a hitter at the trade deadline who's got some injury issues. I totally agree with you. I think that that is something that is very important to take a look at because no question, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be looking for 
a whole bunch of arms here at the trade deadline, whether that be in the bullpen, whether that be starters, whether that be a little bit of both. I mean, I'm looking at you, a team like the Toronto Blue Jays as well, which, I mean, we've got to be encouraged with what we've seen out of the Blue Jays the last few days out there in Boston. We're doing this before we know whether or not they wind up taking the game on Sunday or not. But the Blue Jays, I think, is one of the most fascinating teams entering into the trade deadline and entering into the second half of the season. Because as we both know, there are many people with very high expectations for this team. Offense recently has been firing all cylinders, but Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, these two deals have been made over the last 24 months. They aren't necessarily looking so great. To the credit of the Blue Jays, the bullpen over the last few days has actually looked a little bit better, but I think that they're a very fascinating team because they haven't necessarily lived up to expectations as far as a result they wanted firing their manager, but they've looked very well in this first series coming out of the gate against Boston. No doubt the offense is there, and it seems <laughs> like the bullpen starting to come to the forefront as well, but I feel like they could use another starter to, to really be a force in the American League. For sure. They could look for you know, a Syndergaard from the Angels, perhaps, might be a possible trade candidate. Um, Luis Castillo from the Reds. I think anybody who's a contender at this point would love to have Luis Castillo on their team. I mean, he's been outstanding for a team that's really not going anywhere and pitching in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Kept his ERA low, and uh, if you can't get Luis Castillo, maybe Tyler Molly. There are a number of those starting pitchers that can help not only with depth, but could possibly be in your playoff rotation in your top, you know, two or three. We should see. I mean, so many players got traded at last year's trade deadline, and they expanded the playoffs, so more teams will be able to make the playoffs this year. And it's not wild card round as well is expanded. So it's best two out of three. It's not a one, you know, one game playoff. So there are a lot more opportunities for teams that if they can get hot at the end of the season and put together a season like perhaps the Washington Nationals in 2019, winning the wild card and then going all the way to the World Series and winning it. I think teams are energized, especially those that are on the fringe of contention to know that, yeah, if they make a couple of moves, they could vault themselves into possible World Series contenders, you know, in the snap of a finger. And you bring up a very interesting name as Steve Gardner does a great job with USA Today is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And I love that you brought up Tyler Molly because what I take a look at with Molly is his home and road splits because over the last mm-hmm. two years, he's got a home area that's nearly two points higher than it is on the road. So I take a look at Molly and I think that he's one of those guys in which a change of scenery, he could wind up going from being what is right now a guy with right around about a four-ish ERA, getting some strikeouts, but you know what? You take a look at the numbers and you don't think that he's anything great to being a guy that could really excel. Is there a few other guys that you take a look at that perhaps a change of scenery could do them well? I recognize that this was not a trade deadline acquisition last year, but someone like a William Adamas, he got away from Tampa Bay and all of a sudden in Milwaukee, <laughs> he was able to hit because he just couldn't wind up hitting in Tampa Bay. There are just a few of those guys in general, which the ballpark that they play in at home is not suited for them. Is there any other of these guys that you think are fascinating? And if they wind up seeing a change of scenery, it could do them a lot of good. One who who has a pretty nice, we talked about Montas just a minute ago, even though he's got a great home ballpark there in Oakland, just a change of scenery with an offense that will give him some run support. I think that's really been his problem. You could probably say Paul Blackburn as well from the A's as somebody who could benefit from just a little bit more run support, a little bit better defense. Jose Quintana in Pittsburgh, you know, that's a pretty good place to pitch, but still same sort of thing. I think Martin Perez is another guy, although Texas is 
Generally, the new ballpark there is playing a little bit more pitcher-friendly than hitter-friendly. Again, better defense behind him, better offense, and he's had an awesome season himself, even in Texas. So those are the guys that I'm kind of watching to see because their teams are not great. They could provide a a definite boost for a a contending team that could have, you know, maybe the Boston Red Sox, for instance, that who've had a lot of injury issues with their starting rotation just to get some decent innings would be a godsend for them to stay in the playoff race. Yep. And the good news for the Boston Red Sox is I don't think that they're going to give up 28 runs again (laughs) this season as that was quite a bit of an albatross. But to your point, I completely agree with you. I'm Martin Perez. He's been able to do an amazing job this season with really being able to control the command. And to your point now, Paul Blackburn entering into his most recent start over the weekend in ERA north of six at home, sub two on the road. So very, very good name that you throw out there. There and Steve, when it comes to just these teams in general that they've sort of been on the fringe of whether to be buyers or sellers and have gotten hot, I'm taking a look at a team like the Baltimore Orioles is certainly an interesting case. The Seattle Mariners, there's a few others out there as well. Is there a team or two that really intrigues you coming down the stretch? And these next few days are going to be critical as to what they wind up doing at the trade deadline. Two teams for me, and you mentioned one of them in Seattle, especially with the way that they have surged lately. Um, Julio Rodriguez, a little bit of a, a, I think, a wrist injury. Hope that wasn't from all the home run derby display of power that he had, because that was amazing to watch. I would really, really hate for uh, for that to have some negative impact. But Seattle is a team that, I'll tell you what, Greg, I think Seattle, if, if any team could possibly land Juan Soto before the trade deadline, keep an eye on Seattle because Juan Soto certainly would help them. And they've got a bunch of really good prospects that maybe aren't contributing to the major league team right now, um, but could be worthwhile that the Nationals could be intrigued with. I think Seattle, they're they're probably not going to catch the Houston Astros in the AL West, but winning a wild card spot, certainly within, and, and they have the incentive of not making the playoffs in the past 21 years, you know the fan base is hungry. You know the front office wants to get to the postseason. So there's a little extra incentive there. The other team, uh, San Diego. I look at the Padres and see you know, a team that's probably not going to catch the Dodgers. But again, a team that could put together a very good postseason rotation. And a team, I, I think if, if the Padres should go after Juan Soto, for instance, Um, they may be one of the teams that would not necessarily look to sign him to a long-term deal because they've already got Fernando Tatis locked up for a long time. They've already got Manny Machado locked up for a long time. If they were to make a deal with Washington and maybe take on some salary, take on a Patrick Corbin contract, for instance, and they wouldn't have to give away a lot of their real top prospects, but still get Juan Soto for the last part of this season, plus two more years, that he's under contract or at least uh, arbitration eligible. But the Padres and the Mariners are two teams that I think are extremely intriguing. And I really am excited to see what they decide to do and what path they decide to take going into the trade line, trade deadline, because there are multiple ways that they could attack this. 
and um, improve their teams both for the short term and for the long term. And I'm so glad that you brought up that slump that the Seattle Mariners have been in the postseason. Longest of any of the four major sports out there in the continental U.S. And with that said as well, it is a case of which last time they made the postseason, Ichiro Suzuki's rookie year. So, yeah, that is a fan base that they really want to be able to make the postseason. I was eight years old the last time they wanted to make the playoffs. So, yep, they are going to certainly want to go for it this year because if they don't go for it now, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a little bit of anger out there in Seattle, and I would not blame them there. And you can never blame me for wanting to get a great guest on. And, Steve, you certainly fit the bill today. You do an amazing job over there at USA Today, and I know you're doing a great job of taking a look at what we're going to be getting over the trade deadline because you're a man that you do a great job of taking a look at everything fantasy sports. And this is certainly going to have a big impact with regards to player values, depending upon who does slash does not wind up moving. And I know you're doing a great job tracking a little bit of everything in terms of the game that we all know and love. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got on tap in general. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Greg. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steve A. Gardner. Um, you can see my work at USA Today Sports, uh, sports.usatoday.com, in the pages of Sports Weekly as well. If you're one of those folks uh, like me that still likes to have a print copy in your hands, Sports Weekly is uh, out every week. You can find my columns in there as well. Yep. Being able to get a print copy once or twice a week is always a favorite of mine as well because the digital form, always nice. But once or twice a week, I always like to have a little bit of print as well. So I'm with you there, Steve. And Steve <laughs> doing an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball. It was great to be able to get him on today. Big thanks to Steve Gardner for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe will win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Houston Family and Podcast. Great to get Steve Gardner of USA Today on today. It was nice to be able to take a look at some of the guys that we might want to be taking note of in terms of guys that might be getting moved on the trade deadline and what that could mean for some of these teams moving forward and just some of the teams right now that they've got a very interesting period ahead of them because take a look at teams, be able to make the playoffs, be able to win the division. list goes on and on what winds up happening the next few days as to what kind of buyers and sellers they are going to be. That is very important, and Steve did a great job of being able to clear that up. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore D1, and we are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation, or this is where go with the National League games first and the American League games. We've got one interleague game between the Padres and the Tigers, and that will be at the bottom. So let's get started with 951-952 to lead things off. The Miami Marlins, they're on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, who's on to Nick Lidolo, getting the start for them, and Trevor Rogers on the bump for the Fish. Marlins are finding themselves in between plus 105 and plus 110 underdogs. Anywhere between minus 118 and minus 125, your price on Cincinnati. Nine and a half is your total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. For Trevor Rogers, he's been significantly better away from Miami than at home this year. Really doesn't make sense because Miami's a pitcher friendly ballpark, but 
708 home ERA compared to a 395 on the road. He was also a little bit better on the road last year as well, but it's been a rough season for him. But on the road, he's given up three home runs in 43 in the third innings. Big thing for him, being able to tame down the walks. As his walks per nine rate in the neighborhood about 4.2, so that has been a little bit of an issue, especially against a red team that's averaging a little bit over five runs per game at home. They have been one of the teams with the most demonstrative home and road splits out there in baseball. Obviously, Rockies are number one, and then it's fair to put the Reds right there with the Padres at number two and number three, with the Padres being actually to the negative at home. But Nick Lodolo, last two starts have not been great. He's given up a combined eight runs over the course of seven innings, and for Lodolo, his walks issues are a little bit prevalent as well, right around four walks per nine innings. A rookie that I think has a little bit of upside, and in his home starts this year, he's made four of them. Been relatively solid, giving up nine runs in 19 and a third innings, three home runs, a little bit more than you'd like. And the big thing is, he is very much giving up quite a bit of contact. Opponents sitting above a 300 off of him. I think that he's had a little bit of bad luck in terms of the balls in play, and he has been able to get a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but very much a small sample size. And for the Miami Marlins, up until yesterday, they were really not putting back to ball three runs or fewer in nine out of their last 12 contests. So they do have guys who are able to get on base. Joey Wendell sitting right around a 290. Garrett Cooper is able to above a 275 for this team. Luke Williams hanging above a 265 as well. But had a lot of guys that have been struggling this year. Asus Sanchez, Brian De La Cruz, Ode Soler, Jacob Sullings, all in a 220 or lower. And really, other than Asus Aguiar, along with Ore Soler, everyone has 10 home runs or fewer for this lineup, so that's an issue. And for the Cincinnati Reds, you've had Joey Votto ever since he's come off the COVID aisle look a little bit more like the Joey Votto of old. Brand new Drury has been able to do an incredible job for the team as he's been able to about a 275 with 18 home runs. Taylor Naquin, Kyle Farmer, Matt Reynolds, Nick Senzel, all these guys are in between about a 248 to 258, and Tommy Pham, 320 on base for himself. But for the Reds, what has been really brutal for the team has been the bullpen. Alexis Diaz is really the only guy that you can trust that he's got right around 2 ERA. Take a look at guys like Hunter Strickland, Dordy Moretta, guys like this. They've all got north of a 450 ERA. And for the Miami Marlins, it is a little bit better for the team, though they did wind up having to go to extra innings yesterday. We were able to get six strong innings out of Sandy Alcantara, which winds up helping out a little bit. But Anthony Bass, he's got a sub-2 ERA. He wound up having to throw 27 pitches yesterday. Steve Rokert wound up getting used up as well. So you've got guys like Richard Blyer and company that are going to be available. That's not necessarily too terrific. So as a result, I did wind up making this total of 9.6. I do think that you're going to get runs in this game, despite the fact that the fish have been a little bit rough with the bat. So I'm looking over. And with Trevor Rogers, seeing as though he has been significantly better on the road, I'm willing to trust him here. Set the Miami Marlins as a slight favorite at minus 112. So, look at Fish and looking at the over. 953-954 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves at the road face-off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Ranger Suarez is going to be going for the Phillies. And Max Freed is on the bump for Atlanta. Anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165. Your price on Atlanta. Plus 140 to plus 148 is your price on Philadelphia with 8 being the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And for the Phillies, I need at least a plus 167 to take a shot on them. And for the Atlanta Braves, if you're looking at their run line, and between plus 105 and plus 110 to be able to lay a run and a half on them, I was willing to lay up to a minus 105. I think that the Phillies just are in a bad spot right now. They wind up getting swept by the Chicago Cubs. They wound up playing a strange early game being the Peacock game yesterday, so that could be an advantage. That could be a little bit of a disadvantage as well. And for Rangers, whereas the big thing for him has been command has been down for him, right around 3.6 walks per nine innings. It's not like he's getting a lot of strikeouts, right around 7.2 punch outs, 
per nine innings, and at home he has been significantly worse than on the road. Six and one record with a 3.23 ERA on the road for Ranger Suarez. One and four mark with a 5.15 home ERA, despite the fact that he's giving up fewer home runs at home rather than on the road, which I find to be very befuddling. Meanwhile, for Max Fried, this guy has been good both at home and on the road, but as a matter of fact, he's been a little bit better on the road. Posting up an ERA that is right in the neighborhood about a 2.51 on the road compared to a 2.72 at home. He's given up one home run in 46 and two-thirds innings on the road with four walks in those 46 and two-thirds innings. Now, I think that we're going to see a little bit of regression there because that's just not sustainable. But and he has been absolutely amazing. And for the Atlanta Braves, they did wind up having it taken to them a little bit against the LA Angels yesterday. But by and large, this bunch has been able to come out relatively strong since the All-Star break. You do have the top bullpen in terms of ERA in the National League as A.J. Minter as a sub-2 ERA. Tyler Banzik is back from the injured list. And you don't have to worry about Kenley Jansen. He wound up throwing 16 pitches yesterday. So it's a little bit of an addition by subtraction for this team. Will Smith has been a little bit interesting all season long. But been able to get some really good innings out of just so many of the pieces of this bullpen. Like a Jesse Chavez. And then for the Atlanta Braves as well. A lot of guys are able to get on base for you. Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris the second. Only between a 288 to a 295 with Swanson. 14 home runs this season. Austin Riley has gone deep 28 times. And for Austin Riley, what has been really glaring over the last 30 days, in about 100 at-bats, 8 home runs at inning at 395. This guy is white out right now, Ronald Cunha Jr. He's been able to give you right around a 365-ish on base. Marcel Zuna, not necessarily a lot of contact, but 18 home runs as far this season. Then on the flip side, for the Philadelphia Phillies, you do still have that guy in Kyle Schwarber has been able to give you 30 home runs, but only in a 205. On base percentage has been relatively solid for him, but certainly you'd like to see a little bit more there. Now, you do have your constants in this lineup, like Odubo Herrera, Nick Cassianos, throwing their Reese Hoskins, as well as a few other gentlemen that are hitting right in the neighborhood about a 240 to a 250 for this team, but Nick Cassianos not having the year that he would like to. Alec Bowman's been able to do 80 for this team, but certainly you would like to see a little bit more out of this bunch. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, the bullpen has been good. They have the top National League bullpen in terms of ERA over the last 40 days. They've been posting up right around 2-4 ERA out of their bullpen ever since then. Corey Knable has been good in the seventh inning. Brad Anser, Anthony Dominguez, these guys have been rock solid as well, but I do think that Max Free is going to lend himself another very solid start. The Atlanta Braves, they've been the hottest team in baseball ever since June 1st. The Phillies have been relatively solid as well, but I don't like their form coming off of that Cubs series. I think that the Peacock game could wind up throwing them off a little bit as well. Max Fried been very dominant on the road this year as well. I did want to say my total is 7.9. I do think that both of these bullpens are going to be able to hold this total under, but I do think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to take it to the Phillies, and I think the Freed going to be dominant once again. I'm going to take the Atlanta Braves, getting a little bit of plus price on the run line to go along with this total under. 9.55-9.56 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They throw to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Adrian Simpson is going to be home for the Cubs, and JT Brubaker is going to be on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a game with currently no total on it because this game is in Wrigley Field. This is a situation which we are going to be seeing a total posted up in the AM. So, yeah, nothing for you right now. But with that said, we're finding the Cubs on the money line. Anywhere between minus 133 and minus 145. Between plus 123 and plus 130 is going to be your price when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you're taking a look at the win conditions right now, 
It doesn't look like we're going to have overly much wind in this game because this is going to be a little bit of a later first pitch. Right now, it looks like the winds are going to be right around 2 to 3 miles per hour. So, I mean, even if the wind is blowing in 2 to 3 miles per hour, I don't care where you are. That makes really no difference whatsoever. So, as a result, I did wind up saying my total at 8.3. Eight or less looking over 8.5 or higher to the under. Wind should not really be playing much of a factor here. But with that said, I am willing to lay up to a minus 144 when it comes to the Chicago Cubs. So, seeing that minus 130. 33-ish, I'm going to be willing to lay it. Adrian Sampson has actually been able to do a very solid job ever since he got to the Chicago Cubs. If you include last season, he does have a sub-3 ERA. Now, the one thing with him is that ever since he's gotten to Chicago, he has been giving up the deep ball a little bit too much, a little bit over a home run and a half for nine innings. But the good news is he's facing up against a Pittsburgh Pirates lineup that, and call it what it is, it has not necessarily been too terrific. You just take a look at these guys and among the guys that wound up getting at a pass yesterday, you wound up having one guy hitting above a 248 that has for the season more than 50 at-bats, and that would be Kevin Newman. He's currently hitting at 253. I mean, Cabrera is along with Ben Gamble, both of these guys, in between about a 244 to a 250, but and you really don't have much. You've got one guy that wound up seeing an at-bat yesterday with more than six home runs this season. That would be Michael Chavis. He's been able to go deep 10 times. He's hitting right around 235, but I mean, Oniel Cruz... Greg Allen, Yoshi Satsugo, Diego Castillo, list goes on and on of guys hitting at 220 or lower. It is pitiful. And then with the Chicago Cubs, you do have a pair of guys that were able to go deep. Patrick Wisdom, along with Wilson Contreras, have been able to give you a combined 31 home runs. And you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team. Now, Patrick Wisdom, not one of those guys, and he is on pace to strike out over 200 times this season. But that said, Nico Horner is hitting a 300 for this bunch. And then you got C.A. Suzuki, P.J. Higgins, Christopher Morrell, Ian App. Only between about a 273 to a 283. David Bodie has been able to give you some nice at-bats. He's been a little bit up and down, but Nelson Vasquez has been able to do a solid job hitting right around 245 for the team as well. For the Chicago Cubs over the last 40 days, the bullpen ERA sub-3-5, so they've been able to round in a form. The former Pirates, Stephen Brault, giving some good long relief. You've had Michael Givens, Scott Efforts give you a 3 ERA. It's been a little bit tough for Rowan Wick, but bullpen starting to step up a little bit for the team. I do think that Adrian Sampson could be a lender relatively solid starter. I do think that J.G. Burbaker could be doing a solid job himself. The 2-8 record, non-reflective of how he's pitched thus far this season. Right around .9 home runs per nine innings. Walks are an issue as he's given up right around 3.8 walks per nine innings, but on the road, he's been a little bit better than at home. 379 road ERA, 438 home ERA. Big thing is being able to get some good bullpen pitching as the long guys like Tyler Beattie, Will Crow, Chase Young, all these guys have a sub-3-5 ERA along David Bernard, but they did wind up having to play an extra inning game yesterday against the Miami Marlins that did wind up burning up guys like a Yuri De Los Santos and David Bernard, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue as a result. Want to lay up to a minus 144 year with the Chicago Cubs. Can't give you guys one line since we've got no total, but eight or less, I'll be taking a look at and over eight and a half or higher to the under 957-958 on the bank board. The Colorado Rockies at third face-off against the Milwaukee Brewers as Aaron Ashby. Going to be going for the crew and Kyle Freeland. On the bump for Colorado, eight and a half is your total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. With Colorado, it's anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170. And you're finding on them, the Brewers are anywhere between a minus 185 to a minus 190 favorite. And with the Brewers, I wound up sending them as a minus 182 in this spot. It comes down to the run line. And right now with this Brewers run line, you're finding it at a plus 110. I am going to be willing to take the run line. I would need at least a plus 182 to take a shot on the Colorado Rockies. I do think that Aaron Ashby is going to be able to come out and lend a relatively solid start for a Brewers team that... Let's say he said they're probably going to need it. They wound up being able to rally from behind yesterday and... I do think that Josh Hader 
Certain round into form a little bit more for this Brewers team. He did wind up getting used up yesterday, but you are going to have Devin Williams available in the bullpen as well. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, you do have a pair of guys that have been able to go yard for you as Rowdy Tellez along with Willie Adamas. Both of these guys have 17-plus home runs, and all of a sudden, you got Hunter Renfro with 16 home runs. He has come off the injured list, and he has looked solid. You don't have a single guy in the lineup other than Mark Barrasso. Wound up seeing it at bat yesterday, hitting above a 257 for the team, but Renfro along with Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich, Jace Peterson, Colton Long, all these guys hang at least at 241 for this team. So you do have guys that are able to do an okay job of being able to get on base. Then on the flip side for the Colorado Rockies, home and road splits always very demonstrative with them. They're averaging right around a half a home run per game on the road. Meanwhile, more like 1.2 home runs per game at home. This is really manifested by the fact that got someone like a Brandon Rogers who all nine of his home runs have wound up coming at home. CJ Crone, he's someone with 22 home runs as far this season, but among his 22 home runs, just six of them have wound up coming on the road. You've got a Rockies team that has a whole made about 40 points lower when they are on the road rather than at home, and that really trickles down to the bullpen as well. Someone like a Lucas Gobreth, a sub-2 ERA at home on the road. This winds up ballooning to north of a 6. Alex Colmey has been relatively solid for the team, but he wound up throwing 28 pitches yesterday as well. It's not necessarily a good situation. Tyler Kinley is on the injured list, and he is done for the season. For the Colorado Rockies, Carlos Aceves has not been so great for this team. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, they really did have to burn through their bullpen. Brad Bachberger probably not going to be available in this game as well, so that winds putting them behind the eight ball a little bit. So you're probably going to be looking at someone like a Trevor Gott to be able to help this team out. But I do think that Aaron Ashby is going to be able to go out there and lend a relatively solid start. Aaron Ashby's record, in my opinion, not a f- reflective of the pitcher that he really is. He does have a 457 here. I give it up right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings, but the stuff is certainly there. He's been able to get a little bit over 11 punch-outs per nine innings and a 295 home ERA compared to a 515 ERA on the road at home. He has been giving up right around three walks per nine innings. Overall, it's more like four walks per nine innings, but opponents ain't just a buck 91 off of him. And for Kyle Freeland, to his credit, he's been better on the road rather than at home. 411 road ERA, 466 ERA at home, giving up four home runs and 46 innings away from home, eight bombs and 55 and two-thirds innings at Coors Field. Not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy, only getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings, but it's done a good job being able to rein it in with the walks, right around 2.7 walks per nine innings. So I did want to say my total is 7.7. I think that the Rockies going to have a little bit of a tougher time being able to put bat to ball in this one. I think that Freeland runs a relatively solid start, but I do think that the Brewers have a little bit of value on the run line because I do think that Ashby going to be able to hold down this Rockies team that has a very tough time being able to hit on the road. So I'm going to be looking at the Brewers run line to go along with this total under 959-960 on the betting board. You've got the San Francisco Giants. They are going to be playing on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tyler Gilbert is going to be going for the D-backs and Jacob Junis is going to be on the bump for the Giants. The Giants are anywhere between a minus 125 to a minus 130 favorite between plus 110 and plus 115. Your price on Arizona 9 is your total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. Going to be Jacob Junis's first start in quite a while. He did wind up making one little bit of a long relief appearance prior to the ulcer break, but Jacob Junis was spending quite a bit of time on the injured list, so going to be interesting to see how he winds coming out because he has become really the latest reclamation project of the San Francisco Giants team. And while he was starting in June, while he was starting in May, he was able to do a very solid job. And in the role of a starter thus far this season, he's got a sub-3 ERA. And on the road overall, four total appearances, three starts, a 171 ERA, giving up two home runs in 21 innings, with opponents hitting a buck 87 off of him. And he's been able to up his swing and misses a little bit this year as well. Right around 7.5 to 8 strikeouts. 
for nine innings. Meanwhile, for Tyler Gilbert, he wound up having that no-hitter last season, but never been much of a swing and miss guy. Only giving you right around five punch outs per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate, that is right around two. And for the San Francisco Giants, the lineup has actually been in the top six in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. Now, it really doesn't make a lot of sense other than the fact that this team does a great job with their platooning splits. As you do have Thario Estrada along the year, Mercedes, both hitting right around 260. Austin Slater has been able to get on base, but he hasn't seen a lot of at-bats. Luis Gonzalez hits a 285, but once again, not a lot of power there. You've got guys like in Austin Wins, Joey Bart, Dom, VR, you're able to throw in there Darren Ruff, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower end. I like Jock Peterson's the only guy with more than 13 home runs. They're able to find a way in for the Giants. They've been playing quite a few overs because the bullpen has been a little bit less than trustworthy. They wound up having a DFA, Jake McGee. He's now with the Milwaukee Brewers, but been able to find a little bit of something out of guys like John Brebbia, Jarlin Garcia, Camilio Duvall. They've been posting up sub-3-5 ERAs, and for Tyler Rogers, wound up having a really bad start to the season, but he's been able to come around a little bit more. You take a look at what he's been able to do recently over the last five weeks. He's got an ERA that's hovering right around three, and for the flip side, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Kyle Nelson has been able to do a good job out there in the bullpen along Joe Manette. Typically, these guys have sub-3 ERA, Keenan Milton has been able to do a nice job as well, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they average a little bit over 1.5 home runs per game when they are on the road, more like .9 home runs per game at home. You do have a few guys starting to be able to get on base for the team, Josh Ross, Ketel Marte, both of these guys ringing above a 265. Alec Thomas, more around a 260, and even guys like Dalton Varsho, David Peralta, both of these gentlemen have a double-digit amount of homers. Both of these guys in the neighborhood of about a 240. Christian Walker only hitting a 207 of the Diamondbacks as a collective. They're in the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of batting average, but he has been able to land 22 home runs thus far this season. I do think that Junis, because he was able to ramp up a little bit with a long relief appearance, not going to be necessarily rattled coming off the injured list. Did wind up saying the Giants as a minus-148 favorite. Really not a lot of faith in Tyler Gilbert. I feel like the no-hitter he threw last last season was a little bit smoke and mirrors, so Divine is saying my total and a 9.3 as well, so looking Giants on the money line to go along with this total over 961-962 on the bang board, the Washington Nationals at the road faceoff against the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin is going to be going for the Dodgers and Paulo Espino is on the bump for the Nationals. Only place I'm seeing a number on this game is DraftKings with the Nationals plus 220, minus 260 is your price on the Dodgers, 8.5 is your total, the over is minus 115, the under is minus 105. With the Dodgers, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 272 on the money line, but what I'm really looking is a run line. Right now, I'm seeing that at DraftKings at a minus 125. I am willing to lay up to a minus 145 with the LA Dodgers entering into yesterday. They had 63 total wins. All but seven of them have come by multiple runs. This team has been a run line machine this season. If you've taken the run line and they've lost, been able to save quite a bit of money on the juice, and when they win, they typically do wind up winning by multiple runs. And for this LA Dodgers team, Got a pair of guys in Freddie Freeman and our man Trey Turner down for what? Both of these guys 15 home runs. Both of these guys hitting above a 300 thus far. So has been very good for this team. Now have a couple of slugs out there in the lineup that they do need to pick it up. Cody Bellinger, Austin Barnes, Max Muncy. Only a 215 or lower I will say Bellinger. Big grand slam a few days ago but certainly it's been a lackluster year for him. Gavin Lux so He's been able to about a 290. When Chris Taylor's been out there, he's been relatively solid. He's been a little bit banged up, though, himself along Justin Turner down for Wadu. Prior to him getting a little bit injured, he was sitting above the 300 over the last three days, and then 
for the Dodgers bullpen. It has been really some of the lesser guys to be able to step up. Yancy Almonte, coupled with someone like Reyes Maranta, been able to do a solid job. Maranta has seen a little bit of dip the last few days, but with that said, you've got Almonte, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, along with Evan Phillips. Both of these guys are posting up a sub-2 ERA. Alex Vesia been a little bit up and down, but he and David Price between a 342 and a 365-ish. ERA, so these guys have been able to do a solid job and then for the Washington Nationals, just no faith in this bullpen whatsoever. Victor Arano, Kyle Finnegan, Steve Ciszek, you're able to go down the list of guys with north of a 350 ERA. Erasmo Ramirez and for Paulo Espino, he was actually very solid out of the bullpen this season, but whenever he's gotten opportunities to be able to start, he has just been getting completely tattooed and as a matter of fact, as a starter, it has been a case which is home runs per at-bat rate has over-tripled and opponent's batting average has went from a 228 as a reliever to a 286 in the role of a starter, especially that second time through the lineup. They wind up really being able to get to him and take a look at Paulo Espino and last few games, things have not been going his way. Last five starts, posting up a 566 ERA, giving up seven home runs in 22 and two-thirds innings. Overall for the season, a 357 ERA, but ERA is north of a five as a starter. And with Washington Nationals, the team is last in the National League in terms of home runs per game. Now, you do have Juan Soto who's been able to give you 20-plus home runs. And over the last, we're going to call it 21 days, he's hitting nearly a 400. So he has been absolutely masterful for the team. But Soto, Kibeta Wies, Cesar Hernandez, Victor Robles, Mikel Franco, I'm between about a 235 to 250. Need a little bit bit more out of some of these guys. Luis Garcia is hitting at 285. Josh Bell hitting at 300 with a double-digit amount of homers, but not a lot of power out of this team in general. And I do think that Tony Gonsolin going to be able to overpower them with Gonsolin. It is a case which he did end up having a little bit of a rough all-star game, but that said, Tony Gonsolin, 202 ERA. He has an 11-0 record. He's been able to do a good job of just keeping down the contact in general. Opponents, they have been averaging right around 5.3 hits. Per nine innings, earning a buck sixty-eight off of him overall, and then he's been able to limit the walks right around two point three walks per nine innings out of Gonsolin, which is why I do wind up setting him as such a big favorite. And I do think that if we do wind up getting the eight and a half, it is going to be a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Dodgers have been very much a solid under team, especially with the way that the team has been pitching at home recently as well. So at an eight and a half, I will be looking at an under sub by total at eight point four, and with the Dodgers. We're going to lay up to a minus 145 on their run line as well. 963, 964. This will be the basis of the DK Nation pick as you've got the Tampa Bay Racer on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Voth is going to be going for the Orioles. And Corey Kaluber, that Kalubot, is going to be on the bump for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay between a minus 125 and a minus 130 favorite. Any word team plus 110 and plus 120. Your price on Baltimore. Nine is your total. Over is minus 120 and the under is even. The DK Nation pick, it is going to be on the under. I like the way that Corey Kluber has been able to pitch this season, and even if Austin Voth does not wind up having the world's greatest start, guess what? He's got a bullpen behind him that is very solid. You take a look at Voth overall for the season, a 630-80 RA that is fallen by nearly three points with him being with the Baltimore Orioles, though, and as a starter, he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the four because as a starter, he's given up one home run in 69 at-bats. His home runs on a per-at-bat basis was nearly two and a half t- points higher when he was coming out of the bullpen, and as a starter, opponents are a 232 off of him when he was coming out of the bullpen, 360. So he has been much more comfortable as a starter. It just feels like it's a natural fit for him in general. And you take a look at Austin both 357 ERA over his last four starts and one long relief appearance as well. Someone that's probably not going to be going too deep into a game. He hasn't really completed more than four innings. Take a look at this Baltimore Orioles bullpen and they rank in the top seven in the big leagues 
in terms of bullpen ERA. So you've got so many guys firing all cylinders, plus they've got a 262 ERA or better, as you've got Ori Lopez, CNL Perez, Joey Creeble, Keegan Aiken, Dylan Tate, Felix Batista, all in that fold. And when it comes to Corey Kluber, he's been able to do a solid job all season long for the Tampa Bay Rays team as he has given up two runs or fewer and now four out of his last six starts. Last time he faced off against the Orioles, he did wind up giving up four runs over the course of six innings, but I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in a little bit more with Kluber. He's given up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate right around 1.45. Gets right around 7.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Nothing supreme, nothing terrible. Home area is more like a 342 compared to a 409 on the road, but by and large, be able to do a solid job, but the Rays, as we know, they always wind up having a solid bullpen. That is the case once again this year. Jason Adam has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA, even with J.P. Fireisen being missing for most of the season. You still got a lot of guys able to come in, hold down the fort as Colin Pooch, Matt Weisler, Jalen Beeks, all posting between a 2.23 and a 2.50 ERA. You've been able to get some good innings, even out of someone like Brooks Raley as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, it's been a little bit of an up-and-down lineup for this team. Yandy Diaz, G-Man Joy, both of these guys have north of a 3.65 on base. And then you've got a north of 300 hitter in Harold Ramirez as well. But he's been a little bit banged up. And as a result, we wound up seeing all these guys are hitting a buck 90 or lower in the lineup yesterday for the Tampa Bay Rays. Brett Phillips, along Taylor Walls, Yu Chang, Josh Lowe, and newly acquired Roman Quinn. So it's not been great there. And as a matter of fact, there was one guy for the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday that was hitting above a 255, and that would be Andy Diaz. So that's a little bit of an issue. Isaac Paredes, his 13 home runs, currently leads the team. And for the Baltimore Orioles, this is not a team that has a bunch of firepower in terms of home runs as well. Anthony Santander, along with Ryan Mountcastle, both of these guys have a combined 30 home runs. That's very solid. And I do think that Ore Mateo is going to be solid going forward. He's got over 20 stolen bases, but he's sitting at 210. Robinson Torinos, Tyler Nevin, you're able to throw in there. Rudan Odor, all these guys are in at 210 or lower for the bunch as well. You do have Austin the Saves Kid, Mountcastle, Dre Boomer Mancini, Cedric Mullins, Ramon Odias in between about a 260 to a 270, but not a lot of pop in the bat, I will say, for Adley Rushman. Take a look at what he's been able to do over the last few weeks. And he's been hitting for right around a 350 on base over the last three days, which that's encouraging. But that said, I do think that you're going to see a very low-scoring game. So I might tell it at an 8.1. So the DK Nation pick going to be on the under the new dimensions at Camden Yards. Certainly has caused for a lack of home runs. And when it comes to the money line in this one, I did set the race at a minus 126. So seeing the minus 125, that's pretty much max I'd be willing to lay. But won't take the race at that price and the DK Nation pick on the under 965, 966 on the banking board. The Cleveland Guardians at the red face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox. And Zach Plesak is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is finding themselves in between a minus 102 and minus 110. Sort of a little bit of an underdog. Seeing even money on Cleveland as well. Between minus 106 and minus 110, your price on Boston. 9.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. With the Red Sox, I did set them as a minus 143 favorite. Now, the Red Sox wound up letting us down with the DK Nash pick on the under yesterday. And boy, oh boy, it has not been terrific for the scene, but Nick Buffett has been able to pitch relatively well. He's got a 450 ERA overall this season, I will say. Last three starts, he has been getting tattooed. Six plus runs given up in each out of his last three, but two of those starts were against the New York Yankees. One of those starts was against the Tampa Bay Rays. I do think that when this team winds up getting out of divisional play, the Red Sox are actually relatively trustworthy against teams in the AL East. Well, they have been the least out there in the East. That has not been terrific, but you do take a look at Nick Pavetta and 
They able to do a better job in terms of the walks thus far this season, giving up right around 3.3 walks per 990. Still not supreme, but better than it was a season ago. Still getting right around 8.6 strikeouts per 990. So it's been solid on that front. And then for Zach Plesak, it's been a case in which he's pitched better than his 2-7 record. He's got an ERA. That over is right in the neighborhood about 4. He's given up 2 runs or fewer in 4 out of his last 5 starts. Very much a pitch of contact guy. He's not going to go out there and get a lot of strikeouts. And as a matter of fact, his strikeouts per nine rate is right around a 6.5. But giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Opponents starting at 257 off of him. And he's only giving up 2.2 walks per nine innings. And for this Cleveland Guardians team, Emmanuel Classe, one of the best closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Bad news for them is that Sam Antiges and Eli Morgan, pair of failed starters, have been very solid out there in the bullpen. We have seen a little bit of regression out of them. As Morgan now posting up a 340 ERA and... We've seen Antiges go down to the toilet bowl with right around a 4 ERA, but since coming off the injured list, James Karinczak has been able to build himself back up. Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin both have sub-3 ERAs, and Yelde Los Santos has approximately a 3 ERA. And for the Boston Red Sox, they had to use up quite a few bullpen pieces yesterday at Akaza Sotomona. Wound up having to come out of the bullpen, Austin Davis, along Jake Diekman. Both of these guys now have north of a 3-5 ERA. That's an issue for this team. John Schreiber has been able to do a relatively solid job for this team, but with the Boston Red Sox, you know, with injuries to J.D. Martinez along with Rafael Devers, really puts this offense in a bind. As you do have Alex Verdugo, Christian Vasquez, both hanging between about a 265 to a 277, and J- Jaron Duran has been able to about a 250 for the team as well. You don't have really a single guy in the starting lineup that's able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've got anyone that has really been able to supply more than the eight home runs that you've gotten out of Bobby Dahlbeck. And for Dahlbeck, he, Jackie Bradley Jr., throwing their Jeter Downs, Yomer Sanchez, Franchi Cordero. They're all in a 220 or lower. Xander Bogarts has been able to do a good job with a 385 on base. But take a look at this Guardians team. They are the number one team in the big leagues in terms of not striking out. And you do have Jose Ramirez. He has been able to be in the top three in terms of RBI all season long. He's been able to slug out 19 home runs. And a lot of his home runs, they aren't solo shots because he hits for right around a 290. But then on top of that, that's Stephen Kwan amid Rosario and Andres Mattis hitting between a 290 to a 305. Josh Naylor, he's hitting a 280. He has been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers as well. You've got someone like an Owen Miller sitting in the pocket about a 250. So this is a bunch that they do a solid job of being able to get on base. Now, I do think that the Red Sox are going to be able to bounce back from their cataclysmically bad series against the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that things are bad. I don't think that they're bad enough that they should be in a pick'em game against Zach Plesac at home. So I'm going to be one right with the Boston Red Sox in this spot. I did wind up saying my total at a 9.1 as well. Red Sox showed yesterday that they still have a little bit of firepower in the lineup, but I do think that things are going to be a little bit lower scoring for them moving forward. I think that Pavetta is going to be able to lend a solid start. So looking under and looking at the Red Sox, 967, 968 on the bagging board, the LA Angels hit the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Zach Greinke is going to be going for the Royals and North or Syndergaard is on the bump for the Angels. 8.5 is your total. Over and under Eddie, we're between minus 105 and minus 115 with the Royals. It is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110 on them. For the Angels, it is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. So, a classic pick'em game. And with the Angels, I did wind up saying them as a minus 128 favorite. With North or Syndergaard, it's been a little bit of an up and down season for him in which he's been trying to rediscover his swing and miss stuff. His punch outs per nine rate, that has been overing right in the neighborhood about seven this year, but it's been able to do a solid job being able to hold things down, being able to lend some solid command, giving up right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. But the big bugaboo for him is that he has an ERA that's right around a 596 on the road compared to a 296 at home. 
For Syndergaard, he has been giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings. Nothing too terrible there, but opponents can get 211 off of him at home compared to a 295 on the road. And when it comes to Zach Greinke, it's been a case in which he has been so much better at home rather than on the road. How about a buck 86 home ERA compared to a 738 road ERA? And the big thing is the deep ball. He's given up 11 home runs this season. He's pitched a relatively equal amount of innings. Home and road, 39 innings on the road, 30 and two-thirds innings at home. Just one of his 11 home runs have on coming at home. So clearly Zach Greinke at his best when he is at home. He's only averaging right around 4.7 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also giving up right around 1.7 walks per nine innings as well. The big thing for the Kansas City Royals is being able to find a little bit of offense. They were able to put up three-plus runs in all three of their games against the Tampa Bay Rays, but that's a race team that is struggling a little bit. And for the Royals, the only guy in the lineup that right now is a double-digit amount of homers that would be Bobby Witt Jr. because Salvador Perez has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. And you've got a lot of guys on this Royals team that are hitting in the neighborhood. If we're going to call it about a 228 to a 245 with Mirfield, Nicky Lopez, Emmanuel Rivera, MJ Melendez, Kim Gallagher on this fold. So that has been a little bit hot and cold for this team. Lopez has been able to pick it up a little bit more on Hunter Dozier, sitting right around a 265. But for the Royals, they do have the dead last bullpen ERA out there in the American League. Josh Shamout is looking to be work his way back. And his overall for the year got right around a four-ish ERA. Taylor Clark, he's been able to do a much better job recently. He's got a 3.83 ERA overall for the season. But take a look at his last three days in 12 appearances. He's got a 2.19 ERA. That does help. But Amir Garrett, still north of a 6 ERA. Wyatt Mills has given you north of a 4.5 ERA. Joel Piamps has been a little bit up and down as well. And then when it comes to the flip side, for this LA Angels team, you do have Ryan Tapera along with Aaron Loop, Rossio Iglesias, all posting up north of a 3-5 ERA. Jose Quijada, his sub-3 ERA has been relatively solid, but Andrew wants. You got to wants for him to be a little bit better. Elvis Piguero, well, he leaves the building every time he winds up taking the mound because he gives up home runs, 720 ERA. So things are a little bit rough there, but I do think that Syndergaard going to be able to come out, being able to work on his road woes as well. And you do have an Angels lineup that even without Mike Trout, still Shohei Otani, he's been able to supply 20 home runs thus far this season, hitting right around 255. Jared Walsh has been able to go deep 13 times. And Taylor Ward, it's been a little bit tough for him since he's come off the injured list, but still is able at about a 290. Still has been able to give this team 13 home runs. So uh, you should be able to get enough firepower out of this Angels team to be able to get to victory. I do think that things are going to be in the, I guess you call middle range in terms of the total. I set mine at an 8.7 with the way that both of these bullpens have been performing. So I'm going to be looking at the over and I'm going to be taking a look at the Angels on the money line. 969, 970 on the bank board. The Houston Astros and throw it face off against the Oakland A's. Adam Aller is going to be going for the A's and Jake Odorizzi is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston is a massive favorite. Anywhere team minus 205, minus 220. Meanwhile, with the A's, it's anywhere team plus 180 and plus 190. And your draw game is 8 over and under are both at minus 110. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.3. Astros have been the top under team in the big leagues as far this season. And you do have a little bit of trepidation with Jake Odorizzi. We wound up seeing what he wound up doing on the 4th of July. He just wound up getting tattooed in that start against Kansas City Royals. But by and large, has been able to do a relatively okay job here for the Houston Astros as he's posted up a 3.56 ERA. Swing miss stuff, not supreme with him. He's only getting right around 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Has been able to keep things in line in terms of the walks. So walks per nine rate now in the neighborhood about 2.6 to 2.7 has actually been significantly better on the road as well. 273 road area compared to a 4.57 ERA at home while giving up three home runs in 48 innings overall this season. And for Adam Muller, 856 ERA. He did wind up getting a start against the Houston Astros prior to the All-Star break. 
probably his best start of the year, giving up three runs in four and a third innings. He gave up two home runs in that start. Was very lucky that men were not on base during that one. He just has not panned out for this A's team. Now, the good news for the Oakland A's is that you do have a quadrant of guys in the bullpen that are relatively solid and are posting up ERAs that are below a 3-5. As Domingo Acevedo, A.J. Puck, Sam Mall, along with Zach Jackson, fit this mold. And you've been having a few other guys like an Austin Pro try to be able to step up. It's been a little bit rough for them, but bullpen has honestly been too bad. The bad news for the Oakland A's, though, is that they've got no offense whatsoever, and I don't know where the run production is going to come from. You do have a pair of guys in Sean Murphy and Ramon Laureano that have 10 to 11 home runs apiece. Seth Brown, I believe, now has 12, but you don't have a single guy that wound up seeing an at-bat yesterday, I should say. A single guy that saw an at-bat yesterday with more than 20 at-bats this season, hitting above a 242. That is a big, giant issue for the CMS. Tony Kemp, Stephen Piscotti, Stephen Vogt, Sky Bolt, all these guys are in a 210 or lower. It's been really bad. And then for the Houston Astros, the bats are a little bit down from last season, but you still have some relatively solid production. Kyle Tucker and Jose Altuve both have between 17 and 18 home runs apiece. As a matter of fact, I believe Altuve is now up to 19 home runs. He's hitting right around 280. And then you've got Tucker hitting right around at 250. Alex Bregman, 353 on base. Been a little bit of an up-and-down season for him, but Jeremy Pena, he's certainly been able to do a solid job at that shortstop spot, hitting above a 260, 14 home runs. This season, Alamendi, Ciaz, Uriel, they're starting to pick it up a little bit as well. And for the Astros, number one bullpen in terms of ERA this season, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez, throwing the Ryan Sanic, all these guys, these sub-two ERA. Ryan Presley has been a little bit banged up, but this team has been able to really find guys out there in the bullpen to be able to go out there and perform. So I did want to say my total at 7.3. I'm looking at the under with the Astros. Set them as a minus 250 on the money line. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 160 on the run line. I'm seeing this anywhere between minus 125 to a minus 130. I think that's going to be a lower scoring game, but the reason why I think it's going to be a lower scoring game is because Oakland is just pitiful with their offense. Willing to take the Astros run line and the under in the spot. 971, 972 on the bank board the Seattle Mariners. They're going to be playing us to the Walker, Texas Rangers. Glenn Otto is going to be going for the Rangers, and Chris Flexen is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's between a minus 135 to a minus 145 favorite, and if you're taking a look at Texas, they're back to being an underdog. Between plus 118 and plus 130, your price, 8-8.5 is your total. On the over of 8, the, the over is minus 120, and the under is even. On the 8.5, flip it, under is minus 120, and the over is even. I set the Seattle Mariners as a minus 182 favorite, and this line to me just is very befuddling because we wound up seeing the Seattle Mariners when they wound up facing off against the Texas Rangers with this very same pitching matchup eight days ago, last Sunday, the Sunday before the All-Star break, and the Seattle Mariners were right around a minus 140, but that was on the road. Now at home, they're a minus 140 once again. So essentially, home field advantage means absolutely nothing, apparently, in the same age, and I recognize that it's not an end-all, be-all when it comes to Major League Baseball, but it should mean more than zero, which I find that to be interesting. And for Chris Flexen, he has looked very solid recently here for the Seattle Mariners as he has given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last... Now, I believe nine starts. So he has come out there and he has really been able to hold down the fort for this team. Didn't lend a lot of length in that last start, but he's backed up by a bullpen that over the last 35 days with the Seattle Mariners has a sub-2 ERA. That is by far the best out there in the big leagues. And for Chris Flexen, relatively solid both home and road splits. 392 ERA at home, 370 ERA on the road, giving up right around 1.1 home runs, 
per nine innings. You could use them to be able to limit the walks a little bit more, 3.2 walks per nine innings, but certainly has to be able to do a nice job for the team all season long. Not a swing miss guy, right around 6.3 strikeouts per nine innings, and Glenn Otto has not been a strikeout guy either. He gets right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but hard to have a lot of faith in Mr. Otto. Now, good news for him is that he's been significantly better on the road than at home. 330 road ERA, 739 ERA at home, but he is giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, I'm talking about how that's a concern for Chris Flexen. He's given up a little bit over five walks per nine innings. And for the Texas Rangers, they were able to clobber the Oakland A's yesterday, so good for them, but this is not the Oakland A's anymore, and the bullpen has been starting to falter a little bit more. Dennis Santana along Garrett Richards, both of these guys have posted up north of five ERAs over the last three days. Brock Burke has been very solid for the team along with Matt Moore, but got a couple guys that have been a little bit more hit or miss. Now with the Texas Rangers, good bounce in this lineup as Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, along with Charlie Coberson, all these guys are in between about a 248 256. It has been Seager, who has been the main guy going deep. 23 home runs as far as the season. Adelise Garcia at 17. And then Marcus Simeon, Jonah Heim, Nate Lowe, all between 11 and 14 home runs as far as the season. Leody Tavares, he's hitting a 340 as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, what has been hurting them is the fact that Julio Rodriguez has been missing a little bit of time due to injury, but they do end up getting back Kyle Lewis as well. He was the 2020 Rookie of the Year out there in the American League. On top of that, you do have Eugenio Suarez. He, along with Rodriguez, both have been able to give the team right around a 335 on base. Both have been able to supply 16 home runs as far this season. J.P. Crawford seeing a little bit of a slide with his average under right around 8265. And even a little bit more out of some of these bats like Abraham Toro, Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, Lewis Torrance hitting a 220 or lower. But Jesse Winker, since he wound up getting suspended for that brouhaha against the Angels, He's got right around a 350 on base as well. I do think the flexing is going to be going out. And he's going to be flexing on the Rangers. I do want to say my total more around a 7.7. So seeing what we've got right now with the 8, I'm going to be taking a look at the under with the Seattle Mariners. Getting them anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140 on the run line. I do think that this could be a case in which the Rangers are going to be giving up some runs. Anything north of plus 110, I was willing to take that run line. So I'm going to look at the run line and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. And we wrap things up with 973 and 970 on the bank where the Slam Diego Padres hit the road faceoff against the Detroit Tigers. Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigers, and you got Sean Manet on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are finding themselves as a favorite anywhere between minus 150 and minus 160, and you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140 on the Detroit Tigers, with 8 being your total over Zenny between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Seeing straight 8.5 out there as well. That under is a minus 125, and the over is a plus 105, and I did wind up saying my total at a 7.8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under when it comes to the run line of the San Diego Padres. You're able to find them right around a plus 110 to a plus 115, and I'm going to be willing to take that. I was willing to take pretty much even money or better on the San Diego Padres run line. Now, the one trepidation that you do have with taking the run line in this spot is that the Detroit Tigers have been supreme with their bullpen. They rank in the top six in terms of bullpen ERA. As you've had Michael Fulmer be able to post up a sub-3 ERA, they are currently missing Willie Peralta, who's out due to injury, but by and large, it has been a very solid bullpen with someone like an Alex Lang be able to step up. Jason Foley had a rough season, but he's been able to look 
a little bit better recently as well. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the San Diego Padres. It's an average bullpen. Taylor Rogers has been able to give you a bunch of saves, but he's been posting up nearly a four ERA in long relief. Nick Martinez has been able to do a halfway decent job for the team as well. But then you do take a look at the lineup and need a little bit more help for Manny Machado. Machado entering into Sunday Night Baseball. He was hitting a 300 with 16 home runs, so that has been solid. And you've got Eric Hosmer, Jorge Alfaro hitting between about a 272 and 275, but towards the bottom of the fold. Austin Nola, Hossam Kim, Jake Cronenworth, Jerickson Profar, Will Myers when he's been out there because he's been injured for quite a while. All these guys hitting between about a 234 to a 244. And you really don't have anyone other than Luke Voigt that's got more than 10 home runs outside of Manny Machado as well. So that's a little bit of an issue. And on top of that, you do have the Padres coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. Typically, I like to fade teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. A little bit of an exception here because I just don't have any faith whatsoever in Drew Hutchinson. He's got a 4.46 ERA overall this season. Quite honestly, I think that he's lucky to have a 4.46 ERA. He's given up four and a half walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate that overs in the neighborhood about six. He's only given up three home runs in 40 and a third innings. But that said, he's got a 4.29 home ERA as well with opponents sitting right around 2.42 off of him. He's been very lucky on balls that have been put in play. And for the Detroit Tigers, where is the offense going to be coming from? And this team wound up getting a land base hit over the last few games. A combined five runs in their last three contests. So, other than game one of their double loop against the Oakland A's, it's certainly been tough sledding for them ever since the All-Star break. And got a lot of guys that are currently hitting about a 220 or lower for the team. Spencer Torkelson has now been sent down to AAA, so he's no longer a part of this. But Javi Baez, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, Robbie Grossman, Jamir Candelario, all guys hitting a 217 or lower. I think that's going to be another sad state of affairs for the Detroit Tigers. In this game, I do think that Sean Maneo is going to be able to come out and is going to be able to do his thing. He has been a little bit all over the place this season, posting up a 4-11 ERA, giving up right around 1.25 home runs per 9 innings. And the big thing is, he's got to rein in the walks per 9 rate of right around a 3.4, but do take a look at Sean Maneo, and he's been relatively solid when he has been on the road. 3.76 road ERA compared to a 4.53 ERA at home, which makes no sense. He's giving up 1.6 home runs per 9 innings at home. Meanwhile, on the road, this winds up going to more like a 1 with but I'm saying a 253 off of him at Petco 207 on the road as well. I do think that even though the Padres are coming off of Sunday Night Baseball and typically I like to fade these teams, can't fade them against the Detroit Tigers because the Tigers sink that much. I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. I'd be willing to take at it eight under personally. And when it comes to the Padres, willing to take them at even money or better on the run line. So look Padres run line and looking under and that will wrap things up. For the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast, a big thanks to Steve Gardner of USA Today for joining me in my segment. If you do like hearing from the Sign Podcast Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to find those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNRSQUARTY1. Keep in mind, letters CM. I mean, it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're both firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have that five-star review coming at you guys every single day. Not the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.